Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, good morning, church. Come on, let's give Jesus the best round of applause. We're going to give him all day because he's good. And like we sang this morning, he's really the reason why we're here. He really is. And this morning we start a brand new series that I've entitled Don't Drink the Water. Turn to your neighbor just real quick and say, don't drink the water. Today I want to talk specifically about identifying the source. And I believe that this series is really going to help us to see how God really truly meant us to live uh, as Christians and as his children. You know, in the Bible, the Bible uses the illustration of living water. Everybody say living water. The Bible uses the... The, um, God actually uses the illustration of living water to describe the life that he wants us to live. I want you to look at the scripture. In Revelations chapter 22, verse 17, it says this. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. I love the way the Passion Translation reads, Revelation twenty two seventeen. It says, come and let everyone who craves this gift of living water, this gift of living water, come and drink it freely. Notice what he says here. It is my gift to you. God is letting us know that we have a thirst in our lives. And many people don't know this, especially if, if, if you're not a Christian. For us as Christians, we understand that we had a thirst in our life. And most people would tell you they're thirsty for real life. They're, they're really thirsty for what, what that really means. And what people don't realize is that it's really a spiritual thirst. And you cannot, you can't satisfy a spiritual thirst with natural things. And so what people do is try to fill spiritual things by filling their life up with natural things. And they are searching, but yet they try to fill this thirst. And when they fill it up with different things, what happens is they find out they're still thirsty. Oftentimes, many times, they're, they're still empty. But here's what I love about God is God just doesn't leave us thirsty. Here's what he says. I'm going to give you living water that's going to satisfy your spirit and your soul. It's living water. It's actually his very life. This water of life in the Greek actually means this because Greek is the language of the New Testament. Water of life means this. It means the actual God kind of life that's flowing to you. See, when we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, which many of us did in this room, I'm sure you asked Jesus to come inside your heart to forgive you of your sins. You understand that he died on the cross for your sins. Here's what happens. He not only forgave you of your sins, when Jesus comes inside your heart, he brings his life to you. He brings the fullness of his life. So I have the fullness of the God kind of life in me. It's called the Zoe kind of life. And many people don't realize this. A lot of people just think, well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Can't, I call it the escape plan. They just can't wait till Jesus comes back because life on earth is horrible. And so I'm just going to sit here and wait to go to heaven. Actually, right now, you have been given the very life of God. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? But listen to what it says. This meaning is so rich because it actually means this. The water of life means the state of, the, of one who is possessed 
of vitality or is animated, the absolute fullness of life. And let me say this, you can only get this from God. You can't get it from anybody else or anything else. It means this, a life that is active. Come on, say active. I love this word. It's a life that's vigorous, devoted to God in this word of life. It actually means this, blessed in the proportion, even in this world, of those who put their trust in Jesus. So even though what's happening in the world, the Bible says you can have a life that is full of vigor, of full of blessing, even when there's famine, even when there's uh, hate in the world, you can be blessed. Come on, somebody. Even when the economy is down, we are living on a different economy and we can be blessed even in this world. Do I have anybody agree with that today? And I love the words of living water because God uses this to describe the life that he wants us to have. And when I think of living water, I actually think being here on a hot day. You know those days here in Marietta and Temecula, right, that are 110. And then you get a cold water that has, uh, cold bottled water has sweat running down it. And it's cold. And on that hot day, scorched by the sun, you open that thing up and whoo, and you drink some of that cold, fresh. Water. That's kind of the illustration that I get. You know, when I think of living water, I think of going to the splash pad with my son and the little kids on this hot day where the sun is scorching. It's 135 degrees outside. It's hot. And you get these little kids and they run under this water. It's pouring on their head. And you just look at it and you go, wow. And they look so refreshed. They look so vitalized. To me, that is the epitome of the Christian life. But that's not what you see when you go to church. That's not, when you see, that's not what you see when you see God's people. A lot of times you don't see that. A lot of times you see God's people moping around. Oh, the world sucks. Oh, this or that. Listen, we are the light of the world and we are the salt of the world and we have living water on the inside of us. I'm glad four people got excited about living water. Because if you're not drinking little living water, my question is what are you drinking then? What are we drinking then? Because what I'm going to do in this series and for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to outline some water that we should not be drinking. And then in the next four weeks after that, I'm going to talk about living water and how living water, what it does. Because here's the truth. God, here's number one, he gives us living water as a free gift. He gives us this life. I always tell people, you don't know life until you know Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can search for it. You can, you can hunger for life. You can do all these things. But until you know the author, the person who is life, you really don't know what life is. For 19 years, man, I looked for life, partied, did everything my friends told me to do, and I ended up empty. You know what I needed of? I needed a drink of living water that satisfied my soul. And here's the great news. God gives us living water, and it's a free gift. It's a free gift. And here's the thing. It quenches this deeper spiritual thirst. Now, are you ready? This water, this living water, God's desire is that it not just come to you. Look at this, John chapter 7, verse 38. He says, he who believes in me, do we have any believers in here today? He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So I looked up this word rivers. 
it actually means an overflowing torrent. A torrent is this fast moving stream, right? It's not just a river. It's actually describing a river that is at flood stage. So just like we talked about there in the offering, God blesses you, but he blesses you. So out of that blessing, there can be an overflow to others. And so he gives us this river of living water, but he says this, I don't want it just to flow to you. I want it to flow through you. I want it to flow through you because our life should have a flow to it. Our life and blessing should be like a river. It should be like a river that's flowing. It's life-giving. We should be life-giving people. You know why? Because we have the God kind of life in us. And so for us to experience this life, how God designed it, here's number two. God wants his living water not just to flow to you, but to flow through you. Right? So here's where many Christians are at. We are in the bless me. God, bless me. Lord, bless me. I believe God wants to bless you. Why do you believe that, Pastor Phil? Because if he didn't want to bless you, he would have never sent his son, Jesus, the best that he ever had. He would have never given it to humanity if he didn't want you to be blessed. So he gave you his best. But most of us never get beyond the receiving of living water. For some people, that's even tough, even just to receive the living water. But many of us get stuck in just receiving and don't realize that God wants it not just to come to us, but living water to flow through us. Can I hear a good amen? So here's what I ask myself, Passion Life Church. I ask myself, Phil... Does your life reflect this living water? Or does your life reflect a stagnant cesspool of polluted water with little mosquitoes flying around? What does my life reflect? Because if God has given me living water and he says out of my belly will flow living water, then does my life reflect living water or just stagnant water? You know, as many uh, of you know as I do, when you get married, right, like you have different ideas about certain things. Like um, my wife calls paper towels napkins. So she would say, could I have a napkin? So to me, a napkin is a square napkin. Does that make sense? So I would hand her what I thought was a napkin. She goes, no, I want a napkin. Well, that's how I grew up. And then I found out napkin to her meant paper towel. Oh, okay, so we got a little napkin and a big napkin. I was not privileged to learn that. So we have different ways of doing things. How many of you that are married have different ways of doing things, right? Well, there was another thing, and this is beside the whole toilet thing. Come on, somebody, putting the thing down and all that. This is besides that. So she when it's time to wash the dishes, has a different way of washing the dishes. My way is dishwasher. Come on, somebody. I'm like, it's there. Why don't we use it? You know? But I get it. You got to scrub, right? Scrub the plates before you put them in the dishwasher. Oh, Jesus, help us. Right? So what I do when I wash the dishes is I get a little bowl and I put a whole bunch of dish washing liquid in there, right? And I put some water in it. And I grab the sponge 
And then I grab the little soap and I start washing the dishes. Well, my wife says that that is totally unsanitary. And I thought, okay, that's great. Until I saw how she washes the dishes. This is her method of washing the dishes. There, right, we put all of the dishes in the sink. Sometimes it has food on it. Come on, somebody, that we didn't wipe off. And then she will fill the sink up, and she will put the little thing in there to make sure that the water stays in there. And then she will put the dishwashing liquid in there, like giving the, the, the dishes a little bubble bath. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's all this suds coming out and I can't even see the dishes anymore. You know, so I'm like, okay, this is really cool. And this is what she says. She says, it's cool like that because the dishes get to soak, right? And, and moist. Security. And so... The dishes get to soak. And I'm like, okay, so how long do they get to soak in this like spa of a bubble bath? Well, that's all cool. I'm down with that. But here's the problem. We're really busy. And sometimes we forget that those dishes are soaking in the bubble bath. And sometimes, okay, don't look at me like you don't have dishes in your sink right now. Come on, I see that judgmental eyes. I rebuke you in Jesus' name negativity off me. Sometimes we get busy, and I will tell you, I, I bear, right, we're supposed to bear our sins before those dishes bask in that bubble bath for like three days. How sanitary is that? And what was a bubble bath now turns into a cesspool of gunk. And so she's out in the morning, getting ready for work, right? And I'm getting my son ready, and I look, and now I look in that sink, and there, come on, somebody, there's food floating in there. And those dishes went in like this, and you look at them, they're like, horrible. And yours truly has to come to the rescue, and I've got, I, I hate doing this, because now the water's cold, and it's disgusting. And so I have got to, come on, you just pray for me, people, right? Because I got, I got issues at home. And so I have to pull up. This is like 6 o'clock in the morning. You know how, like, you don't even want to get in the shower at 6 because it could be cold? I'm sticking my freaking hand in a cesspool of garbage and toxic waste that's probably mine. Anyway, and I have to stick it in there and pull that thing out and, and turn on the, the garbage disposal and all of that garbage goes down and the dishes are still dirty. The dishes are still dirty. And here's, here's what I had. I, when I think of living water and a life that is full of living water, that's the life I want because when I think of a cesspool, I think of my dishes. And listen, and here, here's the reality. I don't even want to stick my hand in that less even drink of that water. I can't even imagine. It's absolutely disgusting. But here's the reality. 
right? We become toxic by being stagnant because living water is supposed to be moving. Water that's moving is clean. Water that's moving is pure. And I don't want to be a cesspool of toxic waste in my life. I want to have living water flow through my life. But why doesn't living water flow through our life? Why do we become stagnant? Why do we become a cesspool of toxic waste sometimes? Can I tell you why? Because we stop moving forward in our life. And anything that is stagnant can become toxic. Anything that can become, you know why people are toxic? Because, listen, they, in some area of their life, they stop moving forward. Now, you can't always control what happened to you, but you can control whether you move forward or not. And I don't become stagnant because of what happened to me. I become stagnant because I refuse to move forward. And if I'm not moving forward, I'm not moving, and I can't be living water. I become a cesspool of stagnant water. And here's the truth, that when people come in contact with me, oh, they, 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 they sense it. They sense it. And you know what? I don't believe that anyone intentionally wants their life to become stagnant and polluted, Right? But the truth is, there are people who are toxic. There are people who, it's not living water that's flowing from them. It's polluted water that's flowing from them. When I think about toxicity, when I think about stagnant, I think about my sink. And I think, I don't even want to stick my hand in there, much less drink from that water. And you know what? This is really sobering. And I am trying to make this sobering because... God's desire is living water come out of us. And Paul said this, this so challenges me. Listen, sometimes we come to church to be comforted and we need to be comforted. But let me just tell you this, there's other times when we come to church, we need to be challenged because we won't grow. And this statement that Paul said really challenges me. He said this in 2 Timothy 4, 6. This was at the end of his life. And he says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Paul is saying this, I'm looking at my life as it's being, things are being poured out like a drink offering, right? And I thought about that and I asked myself, and maybe you can ask this of yourself, what type of offering am I pouring out? Because he called it a drink offering. In other words, this is the illustration. Number one, you are drinking of your own well of your life. Number two, whether you realize it or not, other people are drinking from what's being poured out of you. Pastor Phil, who is, being, who is drinking of the water that's being poured out? I will tell you this, if you have young kids, your life is being poured out into them. And the question, because what are you pouring out into their lives, right? Your family, coworkers, friends can be drinking from the water of our lives. And Paul said this, he said, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. But I love what he says. He goes, you know what? I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. So here's the truth that in Paul's life, despite all of his circumstances, what was being poured out was faith, was hope, was encouragement and courage. And God wants living water to flow from us. Can I ask you, what type of drink offering are you? What type of drink offering are you pouring out to people? 
Because what we don't realize, and some of us, even as Christians, we go, I just know that I'm not living the life that God wants me to live. And I don't understand why. Pastor Phil, this living water sounds amazing. That vitality and all the definition that you read, I'm not experiencing that. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the enemy wants to pollute your water. God wants living water, but the enemy wants you to have polluted water. The enemy wants to pollute your life by conforming you to the world that and what the world's going to do is it's going to bring the toxin of sin, right? And eventually it's going to pollute the water of your life. This is why Paul wrote in Romans 12, 12, he said this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect and the will of God. Leave that scripture up there. When I read this scripture, I don't see any alternatives but this. You are either being conformed or you are transforming. You are either conforming or you are transforming. Here's the reality. If you're not transforming into God's image, you will be conforming. And conforming always leads to a polluted water. So I look at my life. I don't want to just conform to the world and its ways. I have to be transformed. And let me encourage you. I'm so proud that you're here today because you showing up here today says, I want to be transformed. I want to grow. Come on, somebody. Give yourselves a good round of applause because you came to church. Look at this scripture, 1 John 2, 15 in the message. It says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world and its goods. Love the love of the world squeezes out the love of the Father. So God did not call us to be like this world. And you know what? We are called to bring the world into this life, into this vitality. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm going to say this, and I hope you hear it with all uh, of my heart and humility. But this message means a lot to me because when I was 19 years old, I didn't want to be a Christian I'm going to say it to the screen because I don't want anybody to get offended. It wasn't necessarily that I doubted Jesus, but I looked at the life of the Christians around me and I didn't see life. I didn't see vitality. As a 19-year-old, I saw boredom. I saw judgment. I saw people who were doing things just out of ritual. And that did not inspire me to want to know Jesus until I met three kids and they were pastor's kids and we were living in New Jersey and they were pastor's kids. And before church started at 8.30, I met them through my friends, through my cousins. I was living in New Jersey because I was so, got so in trouble in, when my high school in El Paso, Texas, that I had to move because I had some, it's a long story, but I had people who wanted to kill me and different things and came to school with rifles. Yeah, I was a really bad kid, but God saved me. But I went to New Jersey because I had to flee El Paso and I just happened to go to my cousin's church and I met these three pastor's kids and I was a pastor's kid and we just started hanging out. And they told me, they said, hey, listen, uh, church starts at 8.30, but we go surfing at five in the morning. Now, I'm from El Paso, Texas. We don't know surfing. You know, we're like 40 years behind in El Paso, Texas. We barely like got skateboards, right? And so I'm like, surfing? Like, what the heck? Like, so before church, like, you're, you're and like, yeah, man, you should come. And so they're out there on the beach and they're putting on their surfboards and they're getting out there and they're surfing. And I'm like, I didn't know Christians surf. 
Like I've never seen Christians have fun. Some of you can't even laugh at that. Do Christians laugh? But then when you read the Bible, it says in his presence is fullness of joy. The Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's vitality. So where is the disconnection? And they're hitting these waves and they're changing on the beach. Like, come on, we're going to we're gonna go to church. And then they all played instruments. I played instruments. Like, come on, come jam with us. And man, and I saw life. And you know what? I, I rededicated my life to Jesus because I saw people with life. Because he's the God of life. And I want to encourage you today. He's the God of life. And I'm telling you, if you're walking around like this, there's something wrong. And it's not Jesus. And you know what? We wouldn't even have to witness to the world if we would just smile. We would not have to witness to the world if we would just have joy because they would be asking us, hey, what's going on with you? Because they're out on Friday and Saturday night cruising Pachanga trying to find life, right? And we're just hanging out because we got life. Come on, somebody, right? And if they'll just see life, man, they'll be attracted to it. If this river of living water would just flow from us, man, people would be like, I want to drink from that. I want to drink from that. I want to drink from that. We can't change the world by being like the world. We got to be different. And you have living water. We have living water. Have you ever been in a funk? Maybe in a bad mood. And maybe this person will even come to your mind as I say this. There's always that one person that when they come into your life, they always just like, and they, they just, they kind of always bring you up. They, they just, they, they put you in a better mood. Well, guess what? We're supposed to be that person now. We're supposed to be those people. Ben's like that a lot. If you're around Ben, man, no matter how, what kind, he's almost a little bit, you know, he errs on the, on the side of annoying. You know, they almost do. They're almost like right there. Like, but that's how you think of them when you're like, and they walk in, like, hi, like, shut up. <laughs> right? Jesus, the devil. Hi, how are you? Right? Because then you think they're annoying, but actually there's life flowing out of them. There's life, life. People tell me all the time, we love the name of the church, Passion Life Church. That's right. Today worship was phenomenal. You know why? Because I, you know what I, and I'm up here, I experienced life today. Man, people were like getting, getting some space and just like, man, Jesus and opening and lifting up their hands. That's life. That's freedom. Come on, somebody. That's what it's supposed to be about. Because you know when they're going to the club and they're like this, but then they're in church they're like, oh, oh, come on. But we're supposed to be that person. There was a woman that came to Jesus who had six husbands. And it's funny because she went to a well to drink. She thought she was just thirsty for natural things. But Jesus discerned that she was thirsty for spiritual things. And Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 13, he told her this. He said, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks this water will thirst again. But, and he was talking about the well and that water, but whoever drinks of the water that I give, that I give, I shall give him. They will never thirst again. Listen to this. But the water that I shall give, listen to these words, will become in him a fountain of water springing up. You know what I love about this story? Is this woman was so thirsty, she was trying to fill her thirst with men 
and was still thirsty. And even after six, after three, four, five, six, she was still thirsty. Jesus gives her a drink of living water. Here's what I love. The Bible says after that, she ran into the town and she's like, I met a man. And people are like, yeah, we, 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 we know who you, yeah. She's like, nope, I met a man. And you know what? The Bible says that the whole city started to come out because one person with living water, when this living water gets, you become a fountain instead of a drain. You become a fountain instead of a cesspool of stagnant things. Come on, somebody. Come on. But here's what we need to understand. Number three, who or what we allow to pour into us will eventually pour out of us. And I think here's the disconnect. Here's, here's the disconnect. Look, in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, are you glad you came to church today? It says this, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings good. But an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So listen to this. What I'm consuming will eventually consume me, right? And what I consume, what is poured into me, listen, I will eventually pour out of me. What we don't realize is that you and I are contagious. You and I are leaking. When you walked in here, you're leaking stuff. Some of you were leaking joy. You came in here and it's all around you. Faith is all around you. And people are like, man, I, wow, look, look at that person, right? Some of us, it's negativity. Some of us, it's hurt. And, and again, maybe it's not because, you know, uh, it wasn't your fault. You experienced evil, right? Like we talked about in the restoration series. But here's the reality. What are you going to do? If you have experienced things outside of your control, it's time to let God pour healing into you, pour wellness into you, wisdom into you. Why? Because what's being poured into you will be poured out of you. This is why hurt people hurt people. But here's what we need to do. We need to identify the source, right? We don't realize we're contagious. And here's what I want to do in the time that we're remaining. I want to talk about some water that we shouldn't be drinking from. And in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about some stuff that I believe is polluting our water. And if you can maybe identify and get it out, I believe we're going to see these rivers that are inside of us begin to flow through us. But I want us to identify the source, right? Because whatever the source is in your life is setting the course of your life. Let me say that again. Whatever the source of your life is, is setting the course of your life. My church family, not all water is meant for us to drink. Can I hear a good amen? And if we're not on guard, this living water that's supposed to be flowing through us, it won't be living water. It'll be polluted water. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about and just give you four thoughts. I want to talk about not drinking from the water of negativity. I want to talk about there's some water that you and I should not be drinking from. Today, in our culture, negativity is prevalent. 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 I, I, can I just be honest with you? I'm even amazed right now with some Christians. They're losing their salvation over politics. Losing their salvation. 
And you know what's happening is you're pointing out other people's faults, but the truth is it's a reflection on you because you're just so negative. And I think my personal opinion is if we would stop talking about politics and stop, start talking more about Jesus and inviting people to church, whether you're a Democrat, libertarian, conservative, whatever, I'm just a Christian. Come on, somebody. And I, whatever you think about the president, pray for him. But you know what? What if we fill our lives with telling people about Jesus and inviting people to church? Listen, negativity's all over the workplace. You experience it. You know, for me as an employer in the last seven years, you know, I've experienced it. You've experienced it. There's people that are negative. I think it's funny. They're negative when they work, but they're happy to cash the paycheck. But the whole time while they're working, they're negative, right? And remember what the Bible says. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. And here's what's going to happen is if you start to conform, your life is just going to be a reflection of the world. It's not going to be a life-giving river. Look at this scripture in the message translation. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11 says this, the mouth of a good person is a deep life-giving well, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse, the message translation. This word well, and we all know it, we dig wells intentionally. Wells are something we do intentionally. Someone built it. Someone took the effort, right? And pure water can come from well. Clean water can come from wells, but a cave, a cave is just a result of nature. A cave is just a result of the elements. So let me ask you, what are you are you a cave, a deep cave of abuse, or are you a life-giving deep well? Come on, somebody. And is your attitude just driven by the elements? You just go along because everybody at work, everybody, you know, my son, it's funny, he, he plays video games online with some of his friends, and I hear him talking, so I'm monitoring, I'm listening to him, and then um, the other day I heard him just say, well, I don't want to play anymore, I'm off. And then he came downstairs and I said, Hey, what, what happened? I said, so did you get off the game because they weren't doing what you wanted to do? And he just looked at me and he says, well, yeah. And here's what he said, but they do it too. And I said, Gavin, that never makes it right. If we're just going to be conformers because everybody else is doing it, your water's going to be polluted. And that's the kind of water you're going to have, right? And so if you're going to be a well, it's going to be, have to be intentional because the world's way is full of negativity, right? Anxiety, a life built on what's wrong. But God's way is a life built on hope and faith and peace and love, a life that's built on his word and what's right. So let me give you four thoughts on negativity in our time, our last time together. Number one, negativity reflects and projects your insecurities, What's interesting about this to me is that 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, right, and timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. A lot of this insecurity comes, the root is timidity and fear. And what insecurities tend to determine is how we view life how we view opportunities, how we view challenges. Well, Pastor Phil, I'm just too old. Pastor Phil, I'm just too young. I could never do that. I'm just not smart enough, but you don't understand where I've been. You know what that is? That's insecurity, 
right? I have never been the right age to do anything. When I was in youth ministry, they told me I was a little too old. When I started this church, I had friends tell me, you're too old to start a church. Too old, I'm 40, right? But all that is, is insecurity. Watch, and instead of tapping into this well of living water that's inside of you, what happens with insecurity is it's self-negativity. Come on, somebody. It's self-negativity. And all negativity about yourself, instead of tapping into that well, here's what happens. Insecurity walks you into that dark, deep cave of abuse. Can I just tell you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make mistakes and he invested in you and there's a lot inside of you to be insecure about. But the truth is there is and there will never ever be anybody like you. So that's why when you look around, you don't see anybody like you because you are an original. So we need to stop comparing ourselves to everybody else and be who God has created us to be anointed appointed. Come on, somebody, right? Be who God has made me to be. Somebody told me when we first started this church, he goes, I've never heard anybody preach like you. And I, I remember when I first started out, I used to try to preach like other people because I didn't know how to preach, right? So I looked to a guy by the name of Kenneth Hagin, right, when I was 19 years old. Well, the problem with Kenneth Hagin was he was 65 and I was 19. So when I'd get up to preach, I'd get up to preach like a 65-year-old man because that's all I knew. And the challenge was I was preaching to youth, and they're like, uh, but one of the things that so freed me is when I just began to use the gifts and the talents that God gave me. Now, can I just tell you this? It's cool because some people don't like it. Some people want a pastor like this. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Open your Bibles today. And you know what? That's cool if that's you, but it ain't me. <laughs> I thought growing up, going to church, I just wanted to know where the dead body was because it was like a funeral every week. <laughs> invite my friends? Heck no. Would you invite your friends to a funeral? Hey, we're going to a funeral. Oh, yeah, cool. Let's go. <laughs> and we are the people of God full of life. And you know what? We just, and a lot of times, I think we're just afraid to be who God's made us to be. But you know what's cool? Is the world's looking for original. A world's, the world is looking for somebody that is unique. And you know what? Don't even try to be somebody else. Just be you. Can I hear a good amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a good round of applause. Can I just say, that's another reason why I didn't want to be a pastor. Every pastor I knew was like 75 years old. And the problem was I was 20 years old right? I was, I was 20 years old and every pastor that I knew, and listen, I don't, I don't have anything against older pastors. God bless you. But what I'm saying is that when we compare ourselves to other people, it doesn't work, right? So you got to be the best you that you can be. And so don't be insecure about that. Just be you. So what happens is when you are negative in yourself, right? You start to justify your insecurity and you start avoiding things that challenge your insecurity. When opportunities arise, you run from it instead of maximizing it. And right, instead of enjoying the benefits of opportunity, I think about David, this little 14 a 15 year old 
boy. He walks up giving cheeses and bread to his brothers and Goliath comes out and all of the men of the Israel army, all of the ninjas, all of the, right, the, the, um, the, the armored men are standing there and they look at Goliath and they see a challenge, right? They see uh, an obstacle. David walks up there and goes, who is this guy? And I love David because he goes like this. He goes, and what do we get for killing him? And someone's like, you get, you get the, the king's daughter. He's like, oh, she fine. Okay, that's good. Uh, what else do we get? You're, you won't pay taxes and you're, okay, I'll kill this joker. And you know what's crazy? Is one person sees opportunity, another one sees a challenge and an obstacle. But your insecurity is always going to view things, right? You're going to view things not as a challenge. Let's go for it. It's an obstacle. I can't do that. Well, you know what? The Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, if you'll believe that, right? But insecurity always reflects, to be honest, the truth about what's going on on the inside of you. So it's not only reflecting what's going on inside of you, listen, but it's projecting it onto someone else. And let me ask you, are you a deep life-giving well or just a dark cave? And the beautiful thing about God is whether you came in here feeling like, man, I'm just this dark cave of self-abuse, it can change today. Can I hear a good amen? It can change your life because the beautiful thing about God is we can build our life on his righteousness, which means, listen to this, I love this. We build your life or you build your life on what's right with God, not what's wrong with you. Woo-hoo. We build our life on what's right with God, not your mistakes, not what your fifth grade teacher told you, not what they said about you, not what your ex said about you. We build our life on what God says about us. Amen. Here's the second thing. Negativity always clouds your vision. When you're drinking from the water of negativity, all you're going to see is the bad stuff. The bad stuff. Now, this is tough for leaders sometimes because we're called to solve problems. So we see the bad stuff. But we have to be careful. My church family, there's a lot of good that's going on around you today. Today, you got up, you are alive, you came to church, you're living in one of the most beautiful parts of America. Come on, sunny California, you're in a great church. Come on, God's life is flowing through you. You're going to make a difference. This year is going to be the best year of your life. I believe that in the name of Jesus. There is good. But negativity will cloud your vision. With all the good around you, you'll start to focus on that one bad thing. Someone said this, beware of negative people. Beware of negative people because negative people have a problem for every solution. And they're guaranteed to pollute your life. They'll cloud your vision. I want my vision to be full of faith and to be full of hope in Jesus' name. Here's number three, negativity has pulling and repelling power. Pulling and repel, what pulling power? You ever notice, you ever heard this saying, the birds of a feather flock together? The Bible says it this way, Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with the wise will become wise. Did you ever notice that negative people find each other? There can be a party going on and everybody's happy and over in the corner are the four negative people. I didn't like those cupcakes. They weren't gluten-free. And all the negative people come together 
And let me just say this. If you walk with negative people, it will pollute your water. I love negative people. I want to minister to them. But listen, I do not make it a point of hanging out with them. I cannot because it will pollute my water. Can I hear a good amen? You know, um, (laughs) have you ever talked to a negative person and you feel like as they're talking to you that they're like word vomiting on you? Have you ever felt that? I'm like, I showered before I came in here, but now after our conversation, I think I'm going to have to go take another shower, right? I think I'm going to need a power wash and get my dry clean clothes because you just vomited all this negativity on me because out of their life is pouring an offering of negativity and they want to pour it out. But you know what? You're not going to do it on this person. I want to hang around with people, but here's the reality. Negative people also negativity has a repelling power. People of hope and faith are exhausted by negative people. I've literally hung out with people and after I I, I felt so exhausted and I we only talked for 15 minutes, but it's exhausting. Can I hear a good amen today? And let me just tell you, if you're negative here, God, you can talk with him and you need to take up your issues with him, talk with him and help him instead of just putting it on everybody else. Can I hear a good amen today? I want to help you. I love you. But listen, when it comes to friendship, I'm not going to be negative. I want to be filled with hope. I want to hang out with people who are challenging me and say, no, we're going to be courageous. No, you know what? We're going to look through the eyes of faith. Come on, somebody. We are going to do all that God has called us to do. And here's the last one for today. Are you glad you came? Here's number four. Negativity is Satan's tool to lead you into defeat. I, th- I think it's interesting about the devil is he already a defeated foal. I'm not, I don't want to be defeated by somebody who's already defeated. And he's already defeated. But negativity is the antithesis of hope. And no hope, if you don't have hope, then faith has nothing to pour its substance into. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so negativity will rob your hope. And watch this. Before the enemy destroys you, he wants to defeat you. He doesn't just come in and go, ah, I'm going to kill you. No, you know what he does? Before he, he kills you, before he destroys you, he starts to steal from you. Steal your joy. Steal your peace. Right? But you know what he wants to do? He wants to pollute that water. And that negativity is his tool to start to get you to get into defeat. Right? But here's the reality. Hope leads to faith. Faith leads to victory. First John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our what? Come on, yell it out. Even our what? Our faith. And for some of us, what we don't realize is what's blocking this living water is the negativity that's in our heart. Let's not drink from the water of negativity. Let's drink from the living water that Jesus gives us. Come on, did you receive that today? Come on, let's give him a good round of applause. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.